Hey, good morning. Welcome to Real Life Online. My name is Billy. I work for Real Life as a campus pastor up in Brewster, and Real Life exists to help people who are far from God to find real life in Christ. We're so glad you're with us this morning. We just want to say this morning, we miss you guys. We're so excited to get back into things. Hang on for those details. We're going to keep updating you about things related to getting back into church in person here as we move along in the coming weeks. Uh, we also want to announce that if you're feeling a lack of connection right now, you're feeling like you need some more connection, we've got a connections page on our website that you can take advantage of. There's all sorts of resources if you need prayer or if you just want to talk to someone. Sarah Barnes, our connection director, she's fantastic. You can contact her. She'll get you dialed in, get you to the right resources you need to feel more connected. Speaking of connection, one of those ways you can get connected is by filling out a connection card. Here at Real Life, we've got a connection card on the app, on our website. You can fill it out, it's about 30 seconds. If you're new and you're just checking us out, it's a great way to get connected. Or if you've been around, we wanna get your connection information as well and keep you in the loop. That's it for now, let's pray. God, thanks so much for today. Thanks for this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to connect uh, virtually. We can hear a great message. Pray that that would help us to move forward in our relationships and specifically in our relationship with you. God, help us to be more like Jesus and to move forward in life. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Enjoy the service. Well, good morning, everybody. Once again, thanks for tuning in. The good news is we only have a short time left of our online-only services. The bad news is we're not sure when that's going to come to an end, but we, we're in the process of making plans. Um, let me make a huge prediction, which I'm probably not supposed to. I'm going to go out on a ledge here. At the latest, we will all gather together in person somewhere in Chelan by Easter Sunday, which is April 4th. So let that sit there for you. We, there's a couple of things, some hoops we have to jump through in order to make things happen, but we are excited. Um, in the meantime, man, we thank you for sticking with us for a year. Um, some of you have tuned in almost every single week, and we know who you are. Um, you're up in Mansfield and Bridgeport and Pateras and Brewster. You're hanging out in Manson and Chelan and Arondo. Some of you are in Eniat. Some of you are worldwide in Iowa and Arizona and Idaho. Uh, so thanks so much for joining uh, with us this last year. We're going to keep moving ahead. Here, here's our goal, and we're going to talk about more this in the coming months, is as we talk about going back to normal, we don't want to just go back to normal. 
We want to hit normal and then go beyond normal. We want to go back better than normal, better than we were. And so we're starting a conversation. We invite you to be part of that. Uh, as we return, we're going to need you um, to fill in some volunteer spots and all kinds of different ways. So thanks so much. We've got more details every week. We'll give you more and more details. Thanks for tuning in. This morning, we're going to continue our Love, Dates, and Heartbreak series. And we got this week and next week, um, and we'll finish it up. Um, I don't know where you are in your relationships, past or present, but this is for everybody. If you're just dating, if you're a teenager and just falling in love for the first time, or you're serious, you're older and serious, or you find yourself single again, maybe a marriage broke down or a relationship broke up, or you're married and you want your life better, this is for us all, you all. Um, as I think about my relationship, I've been married to... Um, well, over 35 years, this is uh, the lovely Darlene and I on our wedding day. We've been together a long time. We started dating when she was 15 and I was 16. Um, obviously, we married um, when I had hair. Darlene obviously looks the same, that uh, perm poofy look uh, she kind of grew out of, but still as cute as ever then as she is today. Uh, as I stood there at our reception cutting the cake in the Nazarene Fellowship Hall with only cake and peanuts, no, no, no dinner, no alcohol, no nothing. We didn't do that back then. I thought, I got it made. I have just completed my lifelong mission of marrying Darlene, and now everything will be okay. In fact, everything's going to be great because we made a promise and we had a party. We stood in front of a bunch of people and we promised to stay together forever and then we had a big party. Everything's going to be fine. And I was unprepared because I was living off the wisdom I got from all the music I listened to in high school. As I sat there cutting the cake, the truth and the wisdom of the band Blue Suede was going through my brain, which sang, Ooga chaka, ooga, ooga, ooga chaka. Not sure what it means, but it meant something to me. Ooga chaka, ooga, ooga, ooga chaka. And they sang, which I heard running through my head, I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Sing along in the uh, studio if you know it. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. Yeah. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know. Everything's all right. I, I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. And that was, yep, that was the song in my heart. I was hooked on a feeling. I was high on believing. And I was totally unprepared for what was to come. Uh, because I spent all my time concentrating on finding the right person and landing the right person instead of becoming the right person. It was just a feeling I had like, oh man, I got this feeling of love. And we've talked before, falling in love is easy. All it takes is a pulse. All it takes is a feeling, a pulse. Uh, but staying in love takes a plan. And I didn't have a plan. I wasn't prepared. I just thought everything would just work out. We're in love. We feel in love. Everything will work out. Well, it wasn't long after that, like we talked about last week, that we went on our honeymoon and uh, we took our love luggage with us. 
and you go on your honeymoon and everything's great and you enjoy each other and whatever baggage that you have, you bring with you to the relationship. And Darlene brought with her to the relationship. And you get home from your honeymoon and you start living and you open up that love luggage and inside it are your hopes, dreams, and desires. And we all have them. We all have some kind of feeling about the things we hope to have happen, dreams we hope come true, desires we have in a relationship. We have thoughts about money. Are we going to live on a budget? Do we have an allowance? Uh, uh, what kind of house are we going to li- live in? Are we going to be able to um, um, buy a fancy house? Are we going to be able to keep that fancy sports car that you had when you first got married, the 1970 Carmagia? Uh, how many? Are we going to have kids? How many are we going to have? We're going to have a bunch of girls. We're going to have a bunch of boys. You don't get to choose that, but maybe you can adopt. Maybe you don't want to have kids. Uh, uh, hopes, dreams, and desires, we all have them. What, what's your schedule going to look like? How much are you going to work? What's free time look like? What are holidays like? Uh, her family gets what day, holidays? And you get, are you going to switch back and forth? Are you going to travel? Are you just going to stay at home? Are you going to go internationally? Um, what does romance look like? Most of us don't even talk about that. We just assume it's going to happen. Um, uh, and then how are you going to solve conflict? Are you going to yell and scream? Are you just going to text each other? Are you going to just be silent and, and hope it just brushes on? What, 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 what's conflict going to be like? The problem with hopes, dreams, and desires, there's nothing wrong with having them, but most of our hopes, dreams, and desires center around me. I know I did. That picture of being cutting the wedding cake, I just thought, yeah, I know what I want. I know what I have always thought marriage should be. I know what Darlene should be. But it was all about me and what I wanted. They were my dreams, my hopes, my dreams, my desires. Because when I was single, or when I was trying to get Darlene to like me and marry me, um, I, I, never, I only dreamed of the perfect someone who I thought Darlene was. I never dreamed of the person that I should become. And the thing was, we ended up in the uh, first Nazarene church in Nampa, Idaho, down in front of this big sanctuary. And I brought her ring and my suitcase, and I thought, we are good to go. And the stuff in my suitcase seemed reasonable to me, and the stuff in her suitcase seemed reasonable to her, hopes, dreams, desires, but we never talked about them. Not before we got married, and not long after we got married either. And at some point during the relationship, you unintentionally or outwardly say, I have all these things going on, and it's your job to make them come true for me. And those hopes, dreams, and desires, like we talked about last week, they're no longer just hopes, dreams, and desires. They become expectations. And love luggage feels like work luggage. And when you have an expectation that, hey, I married you, you're my woman, you're my man, you, you better do these things for me. And, and we don't necessarily even say that out loud, but we start acting that way. And when we get into that situation, we start negotiating and, and start uh, uh, bargaining, sometimes bribing. All right, I'll do the dishes for you if you do this for me. I'll go to the store if, if you pick up that, if you, and you go back and forth. And what happens, it creates a debt-debtor relationship that no one wants to be a part of. No one wants to relate. No one stands at the altar on your wedding day saying, hey, yeah, I'd like to be in a debt-debtor relationship with the person I'm in love with. Because a debt-debtor relationship says, you owe me. I married you, you're my spouse, you owe me. 
The, uh, you owe me attention, affection, financial support. You, you owe me um, to pay bills. You owe me, you better get the kids to school. You better stay in shape. You better be more patient. Um, you better play with the kids. You better make sure my socks are clean. And we have all this stuff. And the problem is um, when we owe somebody, we can't really love somebody. Let me give you an example. If you owe me money, you can't give me money. All right? If, if, if Billy owes me $100, when he comes along and he says, hey, here's the $100 I owe you, I'm like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You owed it, and I'm not going to even thank him for it because I lent it to him. He owes me $100. He's not doing me a favor. So it's, Billy's not ever going to be able to do something nice for me or give me cash for me to be grateful because he owes me. And in a relationship, especially a love relationship, when you owe each other, it's tough for you to receive and give love because it's so hard to be grateful when someone owes you. When someone gives you something they owe you, you're not grateful for it because that's what they're supposed to do. So how do we keep our hopes, dreams, and desires from becoming expectations, from forcing us into a debt-debtor relationship? Well, we ask what all happy couples ask. And we ask the questions, well, what does my spouse owe me? What does Darlene owe me? What, what do I owe? What does she owe? And the answer, and you got to ask that question. You got to be honest with yourself. Because the answer that happy couples know is, we owe each other everything, but we expect nothing in return. I owe Darlene everything of who I am and to meet her needs, I'm going to put her before me. But I don't expect anything in return. That's where happy couples live. And it sounds crazy and insane because there's all kinds of pitfalls that we have in our brain and in our hearts that could happen to us. But real, loving, happy, satisfying relationships are a submission competition that it's a race to the back of the line. And as someone who lived the opposite of that many years in my marriage, I was always a race to the front of the line, make, meet my needs. I want to get what I want. And when you live like that, you'll find yourself eventually completely miserable, alone, and isolated. Here's where I learned this. Here's where we learned this, that before Jesus was crucified, and really it was like up to the final weeks of his time here on earth, he gathered around his close buddies, and um, we call them disciples, but they were his inner sanctum of friends and ministry partners. And he says to them, hey, listen, you guys, before I leave, I've got a new command for you. And they're like, wait a minute, new command? A new command was like, he's going to add a new commandment? We started with the first Ten Commandment with Moses, and then we, in our religious um, temple uh, process, have added more and more and more and more commands. So we're like over 600 commands. He says, I'm going to add a new command. Now, to these Jewish guys sitting around with him, this should have been offensive to them and all Jewish listeners. Because when, when Jesus says, I'm going to give a new command, he's saying like, hey, you guys, I'm God. Only God gives commands. These guys knew that. And Jesus was equating himself with God. And he's saying, I got a new command for you. In fact, this new command 
It's going to trump all the other commands. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. And you can hear the disciples in their brain saying, well, that's nothing new. And Jesus is probably saying, well, I'm not through. Watch what he says. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And these weren't just words because just a few days from, uh, from now, after he makes this statement, he proves it by giving up his life, for taking the sins of these guys on and him paying their penalty. And not only them, but taking on the sins of not only the whole world, but of you. That Jesus says, I'm going to show you what it looks like to love someone the way I loved you. And the way I loved you is sacrificial. It's a high calling. We've heard, probably growing up, whether you're a church person or not, that the golden rule is to, to um, treat others as you want to be treated. Well, this is the platinum rule. Jesus says, treat others the way Christ has treated you. When you take this and, and, and you put it in, in, and apply a template over marriage and relationships, it's life changing. The platinum rule uh, is, to help you remember, is not sure what to say or do. Love like God through Christ loved you. Yep, it rhymes. You can make a tattoo. You can do whatever you want with that. But that's what real um, happy couple love relationships look like. How do you love? And you're like, man, I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I'm not perfect. How do I love the way Jesus loved me, that's not, that's not even a fair ask. So Paul comes along, Paul who hated Christians, who hated Jesus, used to put them to death and arrest them. Paul couldn't stand uh, uh, followers of Jesus, but then he becomes one. He becomes a follower of Jesus, and then he starts writing instructions and, and, and starting churches all over the place, and all of his instructions to everybody who listens, and the New Testament is full of these letters that he wrote. All of this instruction is Paul applying this platinum, platinum rule, this how to love like Jesus loved. He's applying that to everyday situations. So whenever you see a command or a, 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 a guidance or instruction from Paul written down, it's his way of saying, this is how you live out. This is how you apply the love like Jesus loved you. So here's this new application. And so Paul applies it everywhere, but he applies it to uh, marriage as well. And maybe if you've you're been around church a while, or the Bible a while, you've heard these verses. Some of them, you've heard this stuff and you said, no way, I don't buy it. Others of it, it's brand new stuff. But he's saying, if you want to love like Jesus loved you in your marriage and have a happy, satisfying relationship, this is how to do it. And he says this, wives... Submit yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord. I think that pretty much sums it up. Let's pray. Well, I'm just kidding. For the longest time, the church has made this verse the standard of marriage. That you wives, shut your mouth, do what you're told. The man's the head of the household. The man's the boss. Forget what you feel. Forget what you, your hopes, dreams, and desires. Set those aside and elevate your man because you should be submissive and silent and seen and not... I mean, the, the culture back then got it wrong, but the church has gotten it wrong too. You know that when you investigate 
the uh, earliest Greek text. So, so the, the Bible was written in Greek, and when, when you go back and look at the Greek text, the oldest Greek text, um, give us this verse, Ephesians 5.22, and it says this, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. There's no verb there. The verb comes from somewhere else, and, I, and I'll tell you in just a second. But what you need to know is Paul's audience, when they read this verse, like, wives, you, you better submit to your husbands. When, when the audience, men and women, heard that, there was like, duh. It wasn't not like, huh? To us, it's like, what? But to the audience that he wrote to, it was like, yeah, of course. Because men owned their wives. The culture they lived in was messed up. That, of course, wives should submit to their husbands because they're property. Um, uh, the, 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 the culture in there, women weren't elevated to the place they should be. They were at a lower standard. They, they, they were not respected. So when they hear this verse, they're like, yeah, of course. But that's not what Paul was saying. Pa- Paul knew th- that when he wrote in the Greek text that the verse that came before, we're going to learn something here, the verse that came before had the verb in it, and then this verse inferred the verb from before. Let me see if I can explain it. The verse that comes right before this verse, a wife submit to yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord, the verse that comes right before is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is a game changer. This changes the direction of all marriages. In fact, it changes the direction of culture. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul tells us that how we act towards each other points back to our feelings about Jesus and what he's done for us. But here's what's crucial. He says, submit to one another. The submission is mutual. Wives aren't just to submit to their husbands. Husbands are to submit to their wives. Uh, uh, This makes marriage amazing. It's what happy couples know, that if I'm here for you, you, Darlene, because God was here for me, I'm going to leverage whatever power, whatever influence, whatever I have to your benefit. And the submission is mutual. Now listen, um, we know we, Paul was writing and said, listen, because of Jesus, we have different roles, but not different values. What came next is shocking. Paul says, husbands, love your wives. In fact, he doesn't just stop there because like husbands like, yeah, nah, wives didn't have any value, you know, or you may hear, okay, husbands, love your wife. You're like, okay, I'll love my wife. But then he said, not just love your wife. You love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That, that should inform our behavior. That if you want a happy, satisfying relationship, you should sacrificially love your wife. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus died for the church. Am I supposed to die for my wife? That's a little overemphasized. But that's what it should feel like sometimes, that you're sacrificing for the benefit. You're submitting, because it's mutual, to your wife because of your great love for her. That's what your feelings of love look like when they're acted out. It's, it's a sacrificial, you putting her needs before your own. Now, in this culture, 
equating men with women was scandalous. It's the reason when you heard the verse, ladies, wives submit to your husbands, it's like, wait a minute, what? It bothers us when we say wives submit because we live in a culture, thank God, that embraces the fact where, where wives, men and women are equal. That we bristle at this uh, wife submitting because that's not the culture we live in. Now listen, ladies, there's still cultures in the world where women are inferior, where they're not allowed to speak up, where men dominate them, all right? But that's not, that's not the desire and direction of Jesus. Look at this. Um, guess who introduced this idea that men and women are equal? that women have equal value. Guess who made change culture and made a big difference in culture? Guess who was the first person with, the, with any authority to declare that women are equal to men? Jesus. Listen, this is a strong statement. But if you're a woman, you should be a follower of Jesus. Jesus took women in their low position in culture. He didn't create that. He elevated them to the same level as men. And we, in our culture, we're like, yeah, of course that's true. But back then it wasn't true. And Jesus was instrumental in making that happen. Women flocked to Jesus. Women loved being, a, being around Jesus. Uh, Jesus gives every woman dignity and equality. And the Apostle Paul comes along and said, listen, men, because of the way your Heavenly Father views women, you should we- view women the same way. They are of extraordinary value, and they should be sacrificed for. Rome and religion declared women property. And Jesus comes along and declares women precious. Whatever's been your experience, because it's taken the church a long time to catch up, and some churches still trying to catch up with this. Whatever's been your experience, if you have felt put down or lesser as a woman within Christianity, if you've been in an institution or a church that made you think that you weren't of the same value as men, that men were better than you, that men are only allowed to do this and women aren't, that women should be kept over here and men get to do that. If you've been in there, that wasn't based on the teachings of Jesus. That wasn't based on the elevated position of women that Jesus taught and modeled. And I would hate for you to flush Christianity or flush Jesus because of the poor interactions and attitudes and actions of men who felt they were superior because they took one verse out of context and made a whole uh, culture around it. Jesus says you're precious. Jesus says you're, you're, you're worth just as much as any man. And Jesus gives you great value. Now, what do we do? As we wrap up, uh, what do you do with hopes, dreams, and desires? There's nothing wrong with those. We have this love luggage. It's packed full of all this stuff. What, what do you do? We'll talk more in detail next week, but you have to make a decision. And the decision is, I am going to decide that the person I'm in mar- married to, the person that I'm in uh, uh, intimate, close relationship with, they don't owe me anything. And I know that's scary. But you decide that it's, it's mutual, that I'm going to give to meet the needs of my spouse without expecting anything in return. 
And the reason that's scary is because if I do that and my spouse doesn't respond the same way, things are going to get off kilter. So we panic. But Jesus comes along and says, listen, submit to each other. Submit one another. Man to woman, woman to man. Not because the other person is perfect, but out of your reverence and appreciation and awe for what Jesus has done. That's what real happy marriage looks like. Let me give you some next steps as we wrap up. First of all, last week I said, identify what's in your suitcase. Just you. You have to talk up to anybody. But this week I'm, I'm going to make this next step. Ask your partner, hey, what's in your suitcase? This is the, I'm interested, I'm all in. Tell me your hopes, dreams, and desires. Ask that question and then stop talking. Don't cut them off. Don't add anything in. Don't try to clarify. Just what are your hopes, dreams, and desires? If we all have this luggage, this baggage we bring with our hopes, dreams, and desires to every relationship, ask your partner what that is. Now, guys, you're going to ask your wife this question, and, well, they may faint, or they're going to say, you're only doing that because Kyle said to. And you're like, yes, I'm trying to be the best husband I can be. Women, you're going to ask your man, hey, what's in your suitcase? And they're going to say, nothing. What, what, who'd the Mariners lose to today? I mean, they, and, and two reasons they're going to say nothing. It's because, A, they don't know. <laughs> We're not. We, you women give us men a lot more credit. We're not that smart. We don't know a lot of stuff when it comes to relationships. But it, it's either we don't know or he's lying because he's, he feels weird about talking about it. Now, let me give you one thing here. As we start talking about what's in our suitcase and everything, there's this huge objection, all right? And the objection is, listen, if I go all in, if I act in an unselfish way, if I put my spouse's needs, my my partner's needs before my own, I'm afraid that something bad can happen. And you, you might as well just say that out loud and be honest about it. I'm afraid that He'll stay at work all, all time and I'll n- never see him. Uh, she'll spend all the money and I'll, I'll we'll never see any of it. Uh, um, he'll start doing this or she'll start going here or she'll take advantage of this or, or he won't appreciate me here. And, and we panic because we're afraid that if we don't keep the pressure on, if we don't tell him what to do, if we don't have rules in place, if we don't make demands, then we're going to be left out in the cold. But the fear stops when you understand that God's got you in your relationship. This is how moving forward in great relationships happen. If you're in a bad relationship and you're struggling, this is how you make it better. If you're just approaching relationships and you're just approaching marriage, this is how to have a great marriage. This is the only way forward. Trying to please and serve yourself is a guaranteed way of a marriage breakup of an, of an unenjoyable, unsatisfying relationship. It's the way forward. Now, two, next step is if you find yourself in a tug of war, he wants this, you want this, and you're back and forth. One of you has to drop the rope. One of you has to give up. You're going to continue fighting, continue to be in conflict, continue to be pulling back and forth. And one of you has to say, I surrender. And it's terrifying because you think you're going to get ripped off. I get that. Believe me, I get that. But there's no hope until you drop the rope. Nothing good's going to 
happen. You're not going to move forward until you say, okay, I'm tired of trying to get my own way in this tug of war with you. And I give up. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, because someone has to go first, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to go first. Because you're going to remember that Paul himself tells us that when we were dead in our sin, when we couldn't do anything about our condition, that's when God let go of the rope and sent Jesus Christ in a demonstration of his love for us. That he did something for us with no guarantee that we would return or we would have a relationship or we would accept his gift on our behalf. Jesus went first. That's our third next step. Remember Jesus went first. When you remember that, then verses like this don't have to scare you. Submit to one another out of reference for Christ. You're like, no one's going to be my boss. I'm not going to submit to anybody. Well, that's not what we're saying. Put the needs of other people first not because they deserve it, but because of your awe and reverence for Christ. Happy couples know that when you put each other first by going first in an effort to be last, that you decide that you're going to let go of the rope, that you're going to put other people first, and you're going to move yourself to the back of the line because that's the best way forward. That's how Jesus responded to you, and that's how you move ahead in a happy, satisfying relationship. I know that this seems like jibber-jabber or preacher talk. But I'm telling you, from my own experience with my own marriage and my experience helping all kinds of other couples, this is the only and best way forward. I'm praying that as you understand the principles of putting other people first, that your marriage soars, that, that your, your relationships get better. And in the midst of that, maybe the most important relationship, you decide, wait a minute, if God did all this for me through Jesus, if he moved first and sacrificed on my behalf to solve a problem I can't solve, to pay a debt that I could never pay, to get rid of the sin penalty and problem that I have, maybe Jesus is worth checking out. And maybe that is a relationship you invest in today, now, as you move forward in all your other relationships. Let's pray. God, thanks. Thanks for Jesus God, thanks for a sacrifice. We don't understand that as we approach Good Friday and Easter. We start remembering that, but we don't really get the magnitude of that sacrifice for us. And I ask that you would help us understand. God, for those of us that that's brand new information, I ask that that would be really clear in our hearts and in our minds that we make a decision to move forward in relationship with you. God, I ask that those of us who are struggling in relationships, want a relationship, wish that things could be different, that we would grow grow to depend on you to help us be people who are submissive and caring and put other people first so that we can be in enjoyable, satisfying relationships. Thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, thanks so much for tuning in. You all that have been meeting in home groups for all this time, thanks for, for tuning in. There's questions available to you. Um, good luck with, with those. Um, we got all kinds of news that we'll share with you in the next couple of weeks. We're very excited about what God's doing. Have a great, great week. See ya. Love ya. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Hope you enjoyed the message and the rest of the service. If you haven't had a chance to download the church app, right now is a great time to do that. You can put it on your phone. You can put it on your iPad. It'll keep you connected with all things real life, sermons, 
messages from the past, current, uh, anything related to real life events, and they'll be right there for you. Hope you guys have a great week. Thanks so much for being with us. We will see you next Sunday.